Hey friends, and welcome to the Modern Medusa podcast. friends welcome back to the modern medusa podcast this is your host dominique defalco of defalco reptiles uh giving you a quick heads up this this is an after dark episode because it is 11 30 p.m on a friday evening for me and for our guest tonight it's 8 30 p.m and she's a mom so it's like way past her bedtime um So, um, thanks for listening to Mom Reduce Podcast. Uh, sorry that uploads have been a little bit sporadic over the last couple of weeks. I'm just super busy with work. I'm trying to enjoy my summer a little bit by getting to the beach a couple of times. And I'm so horrifically sunburnt currently that I can barely function, let alone sit in a chair for two hours to edit a podcast. So pardon me. Um, <laughs> and with that great like selling for my podcast, you should join my Patreon. So <laughs> Patreon gets a heads up of uh, the guests that are coming up, get some feedback on what kind of guests we have coming on in the future. And then also just like a fun little community. So please take a look at our the link in my bio for that info. And today I'm really excited to do a take two of an episode. So For this specific podcast, there are two uh, forgotten or lost episodes, and it is two episodes, ironically, with two of my admins for the Female Harpers and Reptile Keepers podcast, where I fucked up the audio on both of them, and we said, let's just do it again. So tonight, I have a second recording for me, but first time you're hearing for her, her, a uh, episode with Emily Ann Azevedo of Moon Lily Reptiles. Hello. Hi, friend. How are you? I am good. I mean, before we get started into the reptiles, which I know is what most people care about, what I personally care about is the fact that 15 minutes before you joined this episode with me, you posted on Facebook that your pants ripped at the gym, (laughs) which is hilarious because I don't know if she's going to want me to say this, but like, sorry, Carly. Um, Carly Jones texted me yesterday that her pants ripped on the first day of her new job. So like, like, I don't know what it's in the air, but I'm hoping my pants don't rip anytime soon. <laughs> That's even worse. I can just leave the gym. You can't just leave work. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, your first day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, congrats to Carly on the new job. And I mean, congrats to you for like working so hard. Your ass was just like, let me out. Um <laughs> So, um, I mean, you are excellent. You're one of my great friends in the hobby. Um, you're like the biggest bitch I know, but in like a, a good way. And cause you're often known as Emmy, the enforcer in our Facebook group. Um, cause all of them. yeah, cause, <laughs> cause what I lack in confrontational skills, you have like enough for four of me. So I appreciate it, but this is a reptile podcast. So Emily Ann Azevedo of Moon Lily Reptiles. What do you spe- uh, specialize in? What What do you keep in, and, and what can we see on your page? My crested geckos, my gargoyle geckos, your dactyloids. I hope I'm saying that right. And my Lichianus <laughs> geckos. <laughs> Lichianus geckos. So, um, uh, I know that you've been around uh, in the scene since 2019, right? Yeah, I can't believe it's been that. 
It went by so fast. Yeah. It's like two years officially as a business. Yeah. Where did the time go? (laughs) So before that, um, you know, let's go back. So when was it that you first realized that you had a love for reptiles? I know specifically in your case, it's lizards. What was it that was kind of that catalyst for you growing up? Growing up, nothing. I had, I was a horse girl. Uh, I had doggos and kitty cats. Um, I had many chickens. Does that count? They're like related to dinosaurs or something, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Does that count? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I had a lot of them. Uh, But that, that was it. It wasn't until I met my husband that I was like, oh, reptiles aren't all spooky snakes and murderous lizards. And that was all I knew. Yeah. <laughs> that was all they taught us. That was it. Yeah, because, you know, horses are, like, supposedly super scared of snakes, right? Some. We did have a horse that straight up murdered anything and everything that was not horse-sized in his uh, thing. And it wasn't even, like, a, a jerk of a horse. He was straight mm-hmm. up like, let's play. And everything was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> So when you're growing up as like a a horse person, um, a a horse person, you're not like a furry, um, like as a horse girl, um, is that something your parents got you into? Did they have that like passion for animals in that regard? Or is that really something that you kind of got yourself into? Yeah. Born into horses. Like my mom already had a bunch of them. They had a farm when I was growing up. So I think we had like Mm -hmm. 72 acres or something like that. And a bunch of horses in the stables. Um, I showed horses for a really long time mm-hmm. and then I had a really bad accident when I was, um, 14, 13, something like that. And then I started being like, mm, you know, maybe horses aren't really for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had a few more accidents and then I was like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm nosy. What, when you're 14, did you like fall <laughs> off a horse or get trampled or? Uh, all of them. Um, when I was 14, I was practicing jumping on my horse and I went to jump and he stopped like, "Mm, no, thank you. And Mm. then I was like, okay, so we'll just quit. And then when we went to go, he was like, okay, mom, just for you. So I was leaning this way and he went and I fell off. Um, and when I fell off, uh, I screamed and that wasn't a normal thing for me when I fell off. I would just get back up and be like, God damn it. And like get back on my horse. And I screamed when my parents came out, they were trying to get me to stand up and I couldn't feel my legs. And my mom started like tickling my feet. She started tickling my feet. I was like, fucking bitch. <laughs> Cause it hurt because I moved. She was like, Oh good. You're not paralyzed. And I was oh like, it God. hurt. I'm so sorry. I said that. She's oh. like, it's all your legs work. <laughs> That's like so funny to me because I remember the first time I like uh, cursed in front of my mom too. It was me like when I was sick and I literally just like screamed fuck, puked and then turned to my mom crying. And I was like, I'm so sorry I said that. (laughs) It's like, it's okay. It's just like excuse this one time. Yeah. She's like, it's okay. You can say it once. And I was like, thank you. Um. So that's, that's really interesting that. I mean, I I feel like the horse hobby and the reptile hobby can be like compared in some degree because it seems like people who are really into horses, like it seems like your mom was and people who are really into reptiles have a tendency to make like their whole life surrounding it, you know? 
I think the horse people are like much more like obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's interesting because it's like with reptiles, you can make a room in your house for them. With horses, you make your house on the horse's property. <laughs> yeah, you gotta buy like 50 acres to have all of your collection and yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a different tax bracket too, I think, of keepers. Um <laughs> um so you know when you're like 13 or 14 you started kind of phase out of being into horses and stuff did you explain how your husband introduced you to reptiles he he has always been into reptiles like a little kid i used to like catch frogs as a kid but like Mm -hmm. wasn't like oh my god i should fall in love with this frog Mm -hmm. um and he was always catching them. It was like, can I take it home? And can it be my pet? Can I love it forever? And like, just catching them all. Apparently had books. Uh, I think he had like a, just a bunch of books. And he would identify all the lizards and the frogs and the bugs and everything. Every time they went hiking or they went out, they're like, mm-hmm. Nico, what is this? And he'd be like, it's a river. And he already knew. Like, he just knows. Uh, he's really good at identifying things um, all the time. 90% of the time. Anyway, um, <laughs> but he, he's super into them. And when we would go to the pet stores and stuff, he'd be like, oh, look at this and look at that. And I'd be like, that's nice, sweetie. Um, and one time he wanted to get a, a bearded dragon. This was before Facebook groups were a thing. So like the pet store would just tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. Regret. Um, <clears throat> so... Yeah, he just, like, got a bearded dragon for his little brother. Little brother didn't want it um, because it was aggressive. And then we took care of it. And that was essentially my welcoming into reptiles was an aggressive, not well cared for bearded dragon. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting because, like, Nico now, your husband, it doesn't seem like he's as involved in the business. Is that right? No, he is not because I pretty much took it and ran with it um, aggressively. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so like, he's, he's also not a very talkative and outgoing guy. Like if you gave him the Instagram, I was like, manage it. He'd be like, no. <laughs> People. Yeah. Those are way yeah. too many things to engage in. Mm-hmm. So when was it that you got your first, um, your first introduction to not just crested geckos but geckos in general i remember the first time i ever met a gecko was at my friend's house and she had a leopard gecko and i thought that was the coolest damn thing ever made in the world because it had a smile and Mm -hmm. it just watched you go everywhere and i really wanted one and my mother was like no of course (laughs) (laughs) but look at it it smiles yeah. So when was it that after that, and I, and I totally get that because I remember just looking and watching the leopard geckos at PetSmart and being like, I need it. Um, yeah. They're the cutest little smiles. Um, but when was it? So your husband got the bearded dragon Tanika got the bearded dragon. What was your first crested gecko? Because, you know, your first crested gecko, because now you have like what a hundred crested geckos. I don't know. Yeah, you don't have to count. Doesn't matter. But like, you know, that there's obviously like a, a big leap there. So like talk to me about that process. Um 
my first one is actually sitting behind me and it's Ember. And then when we were at the pet store, they were like, they're a social species. So we got four of them. <laughs> just, just go all in. Um, and uh, that was my first introduction. But we went to the pet store and they had them and they were like, you want to hold one? And I was like, yeah. And it was soft and not venomous or poisonous and didn't try to kill me. So I'm like, let's get it. Yeah. And did you, when they said that there was a social species, were they telling you that you could house four crested geckos together? Dude, yeah. I'm hoping these were babies at least. Thank God they were. Okay. This, this, you want a train wreck. Here you go. They were like, it's a social species. I'm like, sweet dude, they need friends. I bought four of them and put them into 1212. Okay. Freaking little exoterra. <laughs> it was like, they were just like, put some sticks in there. And I was like, okay. I just threw some freaking sticks in there. Mm-hmm. They did fine. Well, then uh, we started getting into the reptiles and stuff. And uh, my brother-in-law got my son, a.k.a. then me, because uh, <clears throat> I have to take care of it, a mm-hmm. giant day ago. So we got him a 12, 12, 18. Mm-hmm. Again, listening to pet stores, please do not judge me. This is before I realized Facebook groups exist. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> we tell the pet store what we have and they go oh oh they can all live together like including so the crested gecko our giant day gecko and we put our crested gecko in there and the, the giant day was like hell no nah, and ran over grabbed it pretty sure it was ember grabbed it and threw it and i was like ah! and we took him out and then um we never tried to get Oh my god, that is so I'm surprised it didn't try to eat it. I think that's what it was trying to do. <laughs> I was just like, no. Oh my god. Okay, so like, you know, you get really shitty care advice. How did you find out the correct way to be keeping these geckos? I don't even remember how I figured out that there was like Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. I truly don't remember. Maybe I like Googled it. Maybe a Facebook page came up something. I don't remember. But I found the the really big one, uh, the Crested Gecko group, just called Crested Geckos, uh, a.k.a. Teapot. Uh, I joined that. Um, and then I joined like a ton of other groups. Um, I definitely had my ass reamed a few times because I was not taking good care of them because I was listening to pet stores. And the pet stores, of course, were like, oh, don't listen to the internet people. They don't know nothing. They're internet people. Um, <clears throat> I regret not listening to the internet people faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, they helped me not kill everything. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like a good place to start. But um, such a mess. so what you find out, obviously, I'm sure one of the first things I said is like, don't cohab right yeah don't uh not only have i done my own um not like experiment observing to not cohab um but i had it very much reinforced into my brain many of times yeah so what is once you like you know you're starting to get this like new information about the crested geckos like get more involved in the community and such what is your first appropriate quote unquote unquote setups look like oh i remember i found the the falconers bamboo things Mm -hmm. 
you know, they got suction cups. And yeah, I, I, got I know one. exactly what you're talking about because that's like, and this isn't a dig at anyone. It, this is just like a fact is like people who impulse buy green tree pythons, the picture they post in the group is always an exoterra, a heat lamp and the Faulkner's like bamboo sticks. And it's so funny because it's so like, you're like, okay, cool. You went to the store. <laughs> Because in theory, like they're great, them, but, but they're I, very thick. They don't. I feel like they shouldn't go in those. They're just they like a little bit lamps. Do what did you say? Do they need heat lamps? Green tree pythons. Um, it, I, I'm obviously not the authority on green tree python care, but in the U.S., what's generally recommended is to avoid heat lamps and use another source of heat. So, like. My setups either have back heat with um, heat tape or have radiant heat panels because they do need a more humid setup. Not as humid as Crested Geckos because you really shouldn't spray too much, but the heat lamps, yes, they're very prone to RIs, but the heat lamps dry out the air so much. And then also um, like green tree pythons really don't need it that hot my hot spot is 83 degrees so it's not like it's a super hot enclosure and using a heat lamp it's really hard to get to like 83 degrees heat lamps to me are more when you're in like the 90 to 120 degree range i think the only thing i yeah the only thing i have a heat lamp for is my beardy yeah which is like the appropriate thing to have a heat lamp on (laughs) yeah that's yeah that's about it yeah yeah but that's my little spiel. So you have the, you went to the store, you got the Faulkner's like long, like bamboo things. Keep going. A, a ton of Ivy, the fake awful Ivy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember like stringing it on that. Oh, and because I had just joined the groups, was still learning. I did not understand what Pangea was. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I just knocked over my microphone and... 60 ounces of water onto the ground. So this is perfect for you to keep talking and me to mute myself. Okay, so I did not know about the the uh, Pangea. Sorry, I had to remember where I was. Okay, I didn't know about the Pangea. I only knew about jelly pots um, to feed them, which that is not the same. So they had us just feeding jelly pots and... Um, I think that was even in the the setups with the the Faulkners. What is a jelly pot? Gecko crack. <laughs> it it I I can't remember what it has, but if I remember correctly, it really doesn't have nutritional value. It just has sugar. I feel like my animals like just dumping water onto the ground and then being like, "Fucking but clean they it don't, up." They don't clean. <laughs> But I'm the one that cleans it up. Yeah, you have to clean it up. <laughs> like I should go shit in the corner now. I guess that seems like that's what they do, right? <laughs> okay. Um, my first introduction to what Pangea was was a local pet store was telling me about it, and they told me if you leave the Pangea in the enclosure long enough that um, the stuff in the Pangea will turn back into bugs. Um, what was really happening was she she had it in the enclosure and there was a bunch of bugs in it. 
Um, and I was like, oh, what's that? And she was like, oh, if you leave it long enough, I, I don't even understand the logic, but essentially it, it turns back into bugs and then they eat the bugs. But really what was happening was she wasn't changing it frequently or taking care of her um, gnat or fruit fry pop, fruit fly problem. Oh my God. And, and it was just like getting caked in there. And, and then I looked at Pangea and the groups now shown. Um, this all probably happened over like a month where I had this like horrible realization that pet stores don't know shit. Um, the internet people do. Yeah. And that sucks. Cause it's like, you want to support a local shop and then you start to learn. You're like, Oh shit. Um, so really fast. My water has cleaned up. I had to drink my water before I poured myself alcohol, but I'm going to consider spilling all of it on the ground, like the equivalent of drinking it. As you started to learn more about the species specifically and like proper care and proper nutrition, going back before that, when you bought these four crusties, what was it that drew you to them? Were you familiar with morphs at all or any of that? Or was it just like, oh, this is pretty? Uh, no, I was that idiot that did an impulse buy, uh, because it was adorable. Um, I did not realize how harmful or bad impulse buys can be. Um, also I knew nothing of like breeder and pet quality. Um, I knew nothing of morphs. I didn't know what I was buying. It was cute and it couldn't murder me. And that was all it took my tiny newbie brain <laughs> to convince me I needed 70 of them. So when you have these first four and you start to get more education on the species, um, what did you identify the morphs as? Uh, velvet was a low expression flame. Ember mm -hmm. is a bicolor. Velvet, or not velvet, sorry, there was, there was another V. Oh no, what was it? Oh, there was Jumper. He was a Harlequin. Oh my God, who's the other one? I'm having the biggest brain fart on who number four was. Ember. Oh, you didn't Rust Rusty. She was a um, really low expression brindle. Okay, so when you get started in these groups, I think it can be like overwhelming and you like really like to look at all the morphs and you're like, oh my God, I want one of each and yada, yada, yada. So you have your four, you're getting started, you're learning proper care and such. When was the shift from, hey, I really like these animals to, I want to get more to, hey, I think I want to breed these? I almost feel like it was like a semi-natural thing for me to pick up because I grew mm -hmm. up breeding horses. I grew up breeding dogs. And mm -hmm. then I had purchased a wiener dog to potentially breed little wiener dogs for uh, but she's the runt. She's too small. She will never breed. She is just an adorable black weenie <laughs> that is the butt of a lot of my jokes that are inappropriate. And uh, so when I like got the geckos, I was just like, oh, okay, I can do this. I'm good at it. And that was pretty much all that it took. Plus, I like working from home so that I can always be with my kids and I don't have to worry about you know, daycare. Crested geckos specifically are, are known as a beginner species. And we had a conversation beforehand of like not putting too much weight into what someone considers a beginner because you should really work with the species you like to work with. Um, and obviously crested geckos were that species for you. When you're working with a species that can be oversaturated in the market, 
how did you choose which projects to be a part of and which like lineage to work with? And, um, and like, how did you learn about that pet quality versus breeder quality gecko? And like, what's what you should be working with specifically? The first time I ever heard pet quality and breeder quality, it was the worst explained thing to me. I can't even begin to tell you how awful that woman was at telling me. She was like, do you know who the parents are of this gecko? And I'm like, no, I bought it at a pet store. That's kind of weird. Um, didn't ask parents if I could have their child. And she goes, well, then it's, it's a pet quality. I was like, I don't understand what that means. Can you tell me what that means? You don't know the parents. I, okay. How do I make it a breeder quality? She was like, you can't. And I go, okay. So if I breed two pet qualities and then I make a baby, does it become a breeder? Cause I made it. And she was like, no, like I, there was no <laughs> questions answered. I knew nothing. I was so violently yeah. confused conversation mm-hmm. she didn't explain to me like oh you need to know like lineage and like mm-hmm. she was just like do you know the parents no so that's actually a question i want to ask you so i don't remember where it was i saw it but it was discourse regarding like that pet quality makes it seem like an animal is lesser than a breeder quality animal right so in your experience how do you describe the difference and like how do you explain that to people who are buying your geckos are you offering any geckos that you do have lineage on that are from breeder quality geckos that you would say are pet quality uh well you can obviously make pet quality ones like if they come out with like a deformity i have made some gargoyle geckos that had some eye issues um so you should never ever breed them um so they're instantly a pet quality despite coming out of two geckos that got lineage and stuff for um and then there's a you can make a poly which is like sometimes a problem in waves in the crested gecko community um that's what is that what is it what is a poly where they got like that extra toe oh like a polydactyl yeah that one okay my, I couldn't come up with that word in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you know, just other uh, defects that could, you know, have either sometimes they show up later. Like one lady had a lump show up on her gecko after having it for some odd amount of years. I forgot how much, but it had a little lump on its back. So now it's like pet quality because she didn't know where it came from. She didn't know if it'd be genetic, which sucks because you've already made geckos, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, oh. Mm-hmm. So when you're determining the animals that you produce to like list them as like pet quality or, or breeder quality, um, do you go based off of their looks or more their genetics? So like if it's supposed to be a, I think you said like a, a low expression pinstripe, right? What, what did you call a low expression? What? Uh, low expression flame. Flame. She didn't Low have expression. coloration come up in, coming up on her sides. Okay. I would still call it breeder quality, but like there really wouldn't be products or projects to put it into. So if you had two flame animals, can you produce a low quality or a low expression flame? And then oh. would you call that a breeder quality because it because of the lineage that it came from? Yeah. As long as it looks nice and healthy and stuff like that, it sometimes the base color can fall into somebody else's project. Mm-hmm. 
like just because the coloration's not so high, I wouldn't call it pet quality. Just mm-hmm. kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Gecko. Um, That's okay. They can't really hear you. They can't process it anyway. Yeah, they got <laughs> that one brain cell. I really do just have one gecko just staring at me while I talk the whole time. So I feel like I have to apologize if you'll murder me. Yeah, please do. Please apologize. It was very rude. So what what uh, projects are you, uh, did you first get started with when you were like, okay, I want to breed and what are you working on now? <laughs> when I first got it, I was just like, dude, have sex, make me babies. Like I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't realize. Oh, I've learned so much. Um, I did fall into like a bad crowd of gecko owners there for a hot minute. Um, mm-hmm. I like to call them the idiots. Anyway, uh, I didn't learn shit from them. And then I met people like Meredith Bounds, Noah Bounds, um, uh, Melanie, I can't think of her last name, Bertopia geckos, mm-hmm. uh, Griffin geckos, Madison, uh, Haley Fox of the Crested Cabana. There was like a bunch of people that like I met and they were just like, um, you could do better. <laughs> I was like, okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. let's do that um but when i so when i first started it was literally just like wonder what they'll make and that that was all that it took and then now i'm like all right this one's got white on the sides we're gonna put it with this one over here oh this one can make some pinstripes because i love pinstripes i have been cursed to not hatch them Hmm. Um, I i have a lot of projects coming up for next year as I'm staring at everybody. <laughs> so this is like more a personal, um, like a, a question to you as a breeder. So there's no right or wrong answer to this. Do you think that there are specific projects that should be worked on more with crested geckos to make them more desirable? Um, because it is a slightly oversaturated market. Like, are there certain morphs that are just being worked on too much? or not enough that you think would be like good future projects? Kind of. Um, there's too many people just buying some shit at PetSmart, um, learning that they could do better um, and then not. And just breeding whatever they can together because it was $20 on sale. It was 40 bucks on sale, whatever, you know, let's just like flip it, you know, like, you know, it's, um, so they just don't make quality and that's what's flooding the market a lot because they make so many and then they can't sell them. Mm-hmm. Is there a normal morph crested gecko? No. Like, you know how you have normal ball pythons and such? Yeah. I wouldn't say that there's one labeled normal, but if somebody told me normal, I would just imagine a flame because I feel like that's like almost like the bottom in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's not coolest looking one like it's plain i don't know mm-hmm. solid so, explanation yeah you know like really good like really smart you sound super yes. intelligent love it it's literally hilarious because your <laughs> your episode comes up after two weeks of biologists back to back so we're just going <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is a full pendulum swing in the opposite direction <laughs> <laughs> Where's Meredith? I need Meredith. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when did you start to look into other species for reptiles? So 
I know that you are afraid of snakes, which cracks me up. So you really stick in that like gecko territory. So um, when was it that you started moving and looking into other gecko species? Oh man. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like one of those days where you could like post whatever you wanted, you know, into one of the groups and somebody posted gargoyles. Um, and I was like, Brad, I want that. Mm-hmm. They look like little demons, uh, their mm-hmm. heads pissed the whole time. Um, and I found a girl in Sacramento who breeds them and I went down there and I got one and then I ordered from a god awful company, not gonna say anything. And, um, then I just found the lychees and then I found the urodactyloids and I was like, I, and I want, uh, cesariums, cesariums, something like that. I have no idea what that is. It's one of the other gecko species in New Caledonia. I want okay. all of them. Just give me all of them. Mm-hmm. They're all I mean, just like, so nice. Just start selling more crusties and you can get all of them. So like get on that. I know. I'm trying. <laughs> um, I'm looking for opal to make babies. So we <laughs> So with your like what is it specifically about geckos that draws you to them? versus other lizard species because lizards like there's thousands of species you could be working with but it seems like gecko people have a tendency to be like i'm really into gecko and i want to stay in that like world what is it for you i mean i wouldn't mind breeding lizards like a bearded dragon i wouldn't mind breeding bearded dragons um but the fact that they have like 40 freaking babies at one time it sounds overwhelming (laughs) and like i thought about breeding like panther chameleons um because i I love panthers they're so beautiful they hate yeah but that's also a lot of babies yeah i learned that after um Mm -hmm. and then uh tegus i love take i love my tegu he's so freaking that's just my baby i love him that was my third reptile i purchased was a freaking tegu so wait so you went bearded dragon like crested gecko tegu yeah but like i didn't take care of the bearded dragon because i was scared of it because i don't i don't know i don't know why um so i didn't take care of it so i don't count that one as mine i don't count the snake as mine and i don't count the tortoises as mine because i was just like "Mm, those are nice Mm -hmm. and uh so i got the two crested geckos and then nico was like brought up one day i want to have a tegu and someone was like hey i found a tegu for sale and then i had a tegu and i (laughs) i just jumped that's like a really yeah that's like a big shift in keeping Yes, it is. Like, how did you find when when you got a kategu originally? Like, not in a rude way. I don't mean to be rude when I ask this question, but you obviously weren't providing optimal care for the crested geckos to begin with. How did you learn about optimal care for tegus? Were you getting it from the same resources, like from the pet store? No, <laughs> never again. <laughs> no. No, I uh, I joined a group, Simply Tegu Talk. I ended up, uh, I'm an admin there now. Um, nice. I, I joined there and was like, you know, teach me what to do. And they're really, honestly, the Tegu is like so much easier to take care of. It's just like, here, would you also like some dinner with, you know, raw and with some egg? Like, they can go. And do you keep your Tegu outside? Yeah, he has a custom-built house, 
mm-hmm. and pin thingamajig. He has a eight by eight by four enclosure, and then he has his own little personal house that is temperature controlled. So he's outside all year. And a pool. Yes. Oh my God. What do your kids have? <laughs> I need to sleep under a rock outside. <laughs> you got your kids a heat rock. And you're like, stay yeah. warm. Yeah. We go cuddle, guys. We can only afford one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so specifically with geckos, you have your gargoyle geckos, your custard geckos, your dactylodes, right? Either way. That's I have that's how I always said it. Um, and then your Cuban f- false chameleon? Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay, talk to me about that species. That's always one that just absolutely fascinates me. How did you get into that? I went to an expo and my husband brought it to me and said, I want it. And then I was like, great. Can't wait to Google that care on the way home because I know <laughs> I'm going to own it now. Wasn't um, it 15 minutes ago when you said that like, you know, impulse purchases are like a bad thing? This was still when I didn't realize like just purchasing things like that was kind of stupid. My Mm -hmm. husband knew about the care a little bit, but I didn't know a damn thing. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know that species existed. Yeah. No, I had no idea. So essentially I had to learn everything on the car ride home because I knew what would happen. Yeah. He works all the time. He doesn't want to have to do so much and I don't mind taking care of stuff. I grew up with so many animals. I'm like, fuck it. Just make them scaly and put them in smaller housing. It's fine. Yeah. So when was it that you first learned about like potential diseases that can be passed along through animals and quarantine procedures and all that? Because I feel like that's a that's a big shock to people. I mean, I remember going through that when I first like, you know, because it seems so easy to just buy animals and start a collection. It seems like that's what everyone does until someone tells you like, hey, you have to look out for parasites. You have to look out for diseases xyz like what was that moment for you um okay i just like unfortunately a lot of people i had no idea about quarantining someone Mm -hmm. was like hey don't do that um so it was in one of the groups and and they told me about it i had no idea it made logical sense though so i felt so stupid i'm like oh my god yeah no you're right um now i have a whole rack for just quarantining things but um yeah, I, I didn't know. I just shoved things together. Um, but when I got, what was it? Oh, Ember got a little bigger or a lot bigger. I don't remember. And she had some specific pouches on her side. And somebody was like, hey, those could be parasites. And I was like, no, I don't do anything bad. And they were like, no, no, they can come in crickets. And I was like, grouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't fed crickets since. First off, I, tr- I did try to breed them. Not good at it not the point oh, they smell um, so bad they smell yes, so they, bad yes they do i like my dubious way better um mm-hmm. and mealworms but uh yeah she had these like weird pockets on the side and i just thought she was fat like there's my knowledge that i had at that time mm-hmm. um so i gave her some uh is it paracure panicure i forgot what the panicure mm-hmm. panicure thank you uh, I gave her that and like a couple days goes by and nothing changes. And I think, oh, she must be normal. And then one day there was the biggest poop you had ever seen. And then she has been good since. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it, it came from like the pet store when we got her, um, wherever she was created before said pet store, or if we gave it to her with feeding the crickets. But that was how I learned about them was Ember had these big old fat pooches. I just Mm-hmm. And so what is your quarantine procedure like now, having gone through that situation? If 
if I know, like if I buy from Meredith, Madison, Haley, um, they have a one month quarantine because I know them. I see all their like, you know, facilities and houses and stuff because mm-hmm. uh, we time and stuff. Um, so I know what they look like. I still do a month, but if it's like from somewhere I don't know, it's like three to six months because mm-hmm. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> I want no problems. Yeah, absolutely. And are you testing for anything specifically? Or are you just kind of eyeballing it to make sure that they're eating and growing correctly? Pretty much that. And I look at their poop whenever I clean it out, mm-hmm. you know, if it looks um, worrisome. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, I haven't had anything come in and then be like, oh my God, this mm-hmm. is bad. So you say that, but I, I'd like to talk about the situation you had a couple of months ago where you did have to take in, it seemed like a decent sized group of like rescue animals. 12, 12, I think it was 12. It was supposed to be 13, ended up as 12. Mm-hmm. So talk about that situation a little bit, if you don't mind. I thought I was going to be murdered. Um, <laughs> I got a message from someone a couple hours away who I knew through like groups and stuff like that. And we like supported each other liking, you know, and he's like, Hey, uh, <laughs> to sum it up. Hey, do you want to take my collection? And I was like, I don't know. You going to murder me? Um, mm-hmm. He said, no, that was really nice. Um, yeah. It's and good when they tell the truth. Yeah. I like when they, you know, they're honest about their intentions of murdering mm-hmm. you. And so we met. That's how I start every Tinder date. Are you going to murder me? No? Great. Let me get in your van. What's Um. what's your name and birthday so I can do a background check? Um, (laughs) No. So he, you know, was like uh, going through some some really bad stuff uh, mentally and physically. I think he had to have surgery or something like that. He wasn't taking very good care of them. Mm -hmm. Was like, I want you to take them before they die. And then was like, oh, one died. Um, Anyway, so we picked them all up on and Mind you, I didn't know, sorry, I should have said this. I didn't know anything was sick on my way to get them. I had no idea. He didn't send me current pictures. He sent me ones from his Instagram, which I could have looked at. Um, so I showed up and there was like skin and bones, geckos. Um, like I picked up the Lichianus and it was 29 grams. And it's finally filled out around 60 grams. It, it took wow. a couple months and she's 60 now. Um Oh my God. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. Um, but I took them all in and we did a uh, paracure on them, even though I wasn't actually worried that they would have um, like parasites or anything, mm-hmm. but they, they've, I mean, they're essentially in quarantine until like next year. Cause they aren't going to meet anybody um, until they're fat. Mm-hmm. So, oh man. When you do preventative panicure treatment, um, are you working through a vet or are you just familiar enough with like dosing to do it yourself at home? Pretty much familiar. Sorry. I had to think how to word that familiar myself to do it at this point because I've done it quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I just buy the little like, um, powder packet, mix mm-hmm. it up with some water, make it like a pasty thing. And then when I feed them, I put a little stick in it and then I put that over the food and there's like one or two drops in it. Now there is like a liquid one you can get and you can actually Mm -hmm. measure it out like per gram and everything to that effect. Yeah, that's Um, what I have. But it is for for the crested geckos, for the gargoyles, the ones I'm speaking of, I don't want to speak for all reptiles, but it is harder to like screw up and like OD and like give them too much, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think you have to like put in some effort. Um, So I just give them a little bit, Mm -hmm. just enough to, you know, kill some stuff that I don't want. It's definitely also a benefit to be able to give it 
in the food. <laughs> Cause when I was treating one of my green trees, it was three oh, yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did oral, um, I did a, an oral treatment and it was tough and it was, it was like, it's a disheartening prod, uh, process to have to work through. And I think this is just something as a keeper, like we all go through a sick animal and it's very difficult the first time. And I just remember being like, fuck this. This is the worst thing I've ever had to do. I felt like a horrible keeper. Like it's not my fault I had parasites, just had parasites, you know? (laughs) I think rehabilitating the chameleons was probably the worst thing I ever had to do. Yeah. So you've taken in a few rescues before. (sighs) Yes. (laughs) So talk about the chameleons. Cause I know you, that was like a very difficult project for you. Yeah. His, um, the last one I remember taking in, his name was Pharaoh, uh, because our other rescue that we had had, uh, named Anubis. So for some reason we stuck with this Egyptian theme (laughs) and we had him, that was the worst shape I'd ever seen a chameleon in. And I had a woman walk me through some processing for it. Um, I knew I had everything I needed at home because I, uh, I just like to buy things like I might need that later. Yes. I have a closet full of like supplies that I'll literally never use. (laughs) Same. Um, so I pretty much went to the the pet store owner and was like, uh, your chameleon's going to die. It didn't even have UVB. It seriously just had a heat bulb. That was it. Was and it like, veiled? Yes. I think about that. Um, so I'm like, you know, if you give it to me, I would like to go save its life now. Um, and he was like, well, what about $50? And I was like, uh, fucking no. Uh, give it to me because <laughs> it's going mm-hmm. to die. Like, I, it couldn't even walk. It couldn't move. Nothing. So if there was like a cricket, in fr- unless that cricket stood like in front of it, mm-hmm. it wasn't getting anything. So really fast chameleons are a very difficult species was your first chameleons rehabs no no so you'd had chameleons before this yes i had uh two jackson chameleons which we had bought um with the plan to breed found out that the market was super super oversaturated and was like no thank you Mm -hmm. um because i don't want to add to that which is ironic given my crested gecko involvement (laughs) we had gotten them um and decided to to not breed any of that so we had the yeah we got the veiled um i want to say i had two that i rehabilitated but i'm having a foggy memory on the last one but Mm -hmm. so we we had pharaoh and we had him in like a hospital bin and then we were able to get him in an enclosure um i ended up giving him to a local pet store up in redding california uh redding reptiles and I was like, you know, here, will you take him? Just put him on display um, because they have like a reptile room, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff um, that people pay to walk through. And I was like, can you use him to teach people better care for their chameleons? And that's what he does now. He teaches people to not suck. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yes. That must be like a rewarding feeling because it's like you go through all the hardship and then it's very good at the end. I remember waking up that next morning and I was like, please don't be dead. Please don't be dead. Please don't be dead. Please don't be dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember my first, like, well, I wouldn't necessarily say my first like true rehab, but one of the first true rehabs I had was a uh, three-year-old adult male. Um, 
ball python that weighed 300 grams when I got him. I'm not like, I'm not even in the ball python world and that's not right. Yeah. So that's like, that's what I would put like a six month old ball python at. <laughs> like, like they can, they grow so fast and um, it's like so hard because that fear of like what's going to happen and, and am I doing everything right? It, it, it's like so prevalent and then when it's finally better you're like holy shit <laughs> like, well oh and God. you could still do everything right but you might be too late so mm-hmm. it wasn't successful and you're just like please <laughs> don't go mm-hmm. I'd like to save you mm-hmm. and I think that's like a good transition so um you unfortunately had a situation this year where you did lose an animal like in slightly a traumatic way um, so if we can talk about your breeding loan and, and, uh, the, like the crested gecko that died afterwards, like, I'd love to talk about that and, and your experience with that. Yes. So I did a breeding loan, um, with Griffin geckos with Madison. She's a really close friend of mine and we were going to breed her boy peppermint to my girl Ember and then my other girl Opal and, he was with Ember for three days. I went to check on him and he had uh, a prolapse. And I'm like, oh no, pulled him out. You know, uh, we did a, um, we put, uh, oh my gosh, the sugar oh, scrub. No, it you was actually honey. honey. Honey the first time. I had to think about what the order. We put some honey on there the first time. Um, I don't remember like how much or anything now at this point, but we did, we did the honey. He had a little hospital bin, so we wouldn't, you know, get dirt or anything on it. And then about a week goes by and we're, we start consulting like um, a group of veteran keepers essentially. And they were like, Oh, put him in some sugar water. So I, I make up the sugar water, how she's telling me, I'm like sending pictures, like as I do it, like, is this right? We put him in there. I take him back out. I think it was for 12 hours. I take him out. The whole damn thing's black. His hemi yeah. is black. Yeah. Yes. And my this is my first ever prolapse and my first ever breeding loan. Oh I God. am a mental freaking mess. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm like calling the owner. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? So she's like, well, we got to call a vet because now we got to get that off. I'm like, okay. We start calling vets. And I think we called like three of them from... Redding, California, down Sacramento, California. And they were like, oh, it'll be a grand. And I was like, thousand dollars. Oh my God. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so um I I have gone to a specific vet before. Um and they sucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, we're not going to these two uh in Redding and Chico, we're not going there. Mm-hmm. Um so we ended up going to this one in Cottonwood. Because they were open and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, we go there and they were like, oh, it's only, you know, 200 bucks or whatever it was. And then we were like, yay. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, you know, here we go. We've cut it off. Um, here is uh, some antibiotic ointment. I'm not ointment. Uh, oral medicine. Uh, give him, I think it was a half a milligram a day for five days. Mm-hmm. And... I gave it to him for, I think it was three or four days. I didn't even give him the full prescribed thing. I had to leave to Idaho to see some family that you, you needed to see before you can't. 
So emotional freaking week I had up in Idaho, come back home and I go to feed everybody. I'm like, oh my God, I'm back. And I pull him out and I notice his eyes are really, really sunk in. And I'm like, oh my God, he's very, very dehydrated. What is happening? Instantly gave him a sauna. He's drinking up the water. He's looking better. I'm like, sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell her what's happening. We're like trying to figure out the cause because obviously, you know, everyone else is fine. I'm spraying everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? We Google because um, he was only given the antibiotic. We Google the antibiotic and we see loads of other um, website statements, whatever's um, about Baytril being overprescribed to reptiles when it is typically used for mammals. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have an infection to begin with, so there was nothing for it to attack. So it looks like it attacked his organs. Um, mm-hmm. The biopsy was like a couple hundred dollars. We decided against it um, and went with what we had found online, pretty much using other people's experiences um, to understand what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, when we called the vet about it, we're like, hey, like we found stuff online you know, stating this, would you like the articles, etc.? And they were just like, no, no, it's fine. We know what we're doing. We've given it before. Um, that the arrogant like attitude. super disart- disheartening. Yeah. The arrogant attitude attached to it mm-hmm. hurt more than, <laughs> than it probably should have. Um, because mm-hmm. I wasn't even, I wasn't like yelling. I wasn't trying to be accusatory, nothing. I was tr- literally like, the only thing I could think was, I want them to know what happened. So maybe they won't do it to, you know, this 12 year old's little pet that he doesn't, you know, want to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they just, that didn't go well. Yeah. So with the, like, obviously it's like a, a horrible situation. Um, but something I want to touch on and like ask you about is, is breeding loans specifically. Um, because I know that that's something that's a little bit more common in geckos, it seems to be, than like a lot of snake species. How did you, like, did you plan for like, hey, if medical care is needed, X, Y, Z, or was this kind of like a, hey, we're SOL, let's try to figure out what we can do and like who's responsible for it, essentially? Normally, you should come up with like a contract, um, either, you know, through messages or something, because those hold up in court as well. Um, mm-hmm. Or actually write out a contract and everyone signs it. But me and Madison are very close, so we just kind of went with it, you know, because she knows my care. We talk all the time while we feed. So yeah, I and this obviously wasn't, like, a care issue. It's like... Yeah. Oh, my God, what a mess. I still cried a lot. But um, kind of just, you know, went with it and was like, oh, well, we'll see what happens, you know? And thankfully it wasn't awful this time you know but if it was like well you didn't feed them or you didn't give them this one thing or whatever then that me being me would have just broken down and like Mm -hmm. just paid for everything and got him a nice cool like reptile pad you know pure gold of diamonds all those things (laughs) yeah and and you you should have a contract especially if you don't know the person do you think that that's going to be something you do moving forward just in case something like this happens again um with certain people mm-hmm. yes um the only reason i didn't with madison again because we're super close um but yeah 
I probably would. And I, I definitely don't want to send mine out after what's happened, but I really also don't want to take anyone in for a really long time because that, mm-hmm. that wasn't really the best first experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like, you know, that goes back to like, you kind of put that on yourself as the owner or as the person, the caretaker thinking that it's your fault when in reality, it's really out of your control. <laughs> oh, still so awful. Of course, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm like, I should have Googled things first. Oh, yeah, but you don't think about that. So, but did you happen to get any eggs from that pairing? Not yet. What's the window for that? It should have happened. I bred them on the 321. I haven't gotten any eggs from her. Um, this could be a nice segue into your other one. Um, we've been having a heat wave, so mm-hmm. I've been the temperatures because we just expanded we made our garage a reptile room all that stuff um just in time to get a heat wave to be like man <laughs> hope that hope that ac holds up mm-hmm. uh, it did there's been no problems or anything but i was pretty much trying to keep the whole house at like 75 so i don't know if maybe the temperature drops and rises not happening kind of made an issue for her because my other girls have laid me eggs maybe she just hates me i don't know yeah she could just be like you know like sad for her lost lover yeah exactly which is like My super red male and you killed him <laughs> so um you're right i did want to ask you so something that you're vocal about in the women's group and then also just like you know talking with you is preparing for a natural disaster and you live in an area where that happens oh. you know you live in in the you know, climate of insane heat waves. You said it was 111 degrees today. It'll be 115 this weekend, next week, something like that. Yeah. So you live with that. And then you also live like where wildfires are. What do you do to help your animals in these extreme heat cases? And then also like, what's your plan if there's a wildfire and you have to get yourself out and obviously your family comes first, but like in your animals. Well, we, we have had to evacuate. There was a fire down the street um, a year and something ago. Not the mm-hmm. best of time. Um, I have a lot of baby totes, you know, for the baby crested geckos or six quart totes. Uh, back then, that was what I had a majority of. Um, and pretty much my train of thought is you'd rather be in a small enclosure than dead. Um, yeah. Because mm-hmm. so, I mean, I totes, personally would. <laughs> yes. Same <laughs> personal preference. Um, because totes are, you know, like 10 bucks. If I have to evac, dude, I'll just buy, you know, I would rather buy 10 new totes than lose a bunch of people. Geckos or people. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you keep your kids in totes. Living. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I pretty much shove everyone in uh, by themselves, by the way, um, in any tote that I possibly can. I have like a pile of uh, critter keepers sitting over here. Um, my tegu has his own dog crate that he will go in because he's massive. Um, and then I have my dog crate for my dogs and, you know, my cat carriers, literally everything is like readily available. Like you can just Mm -hmm. grab it and shove an animal in there Mm -hmm. and then throw them in your car and go Mm -hmm. because yeah. So pretty much totes, a ton of totes ready to go that are modified, you know, with air holes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So obviously like worst case is evacuation. Um, but preventatively, like, how are you 
preparing for like if there was a power outage and your animals got really hot or if something happened and your AC failed, like what do you do to make sure that you are prepared to care for your animals in that case? Well, I I think we're pretty fortunate. So my answer might just not be as helpful because Mm -hmm. if an AC went out, I have another room with an AC because I have two rooms controlled by um, little ACs. So, you know, if the garage AC went out, I'd be yeeting everyone into the office. If the office (laughs) AC went out, I'd be yeeting them into the garage. Uh, But if the power went out, we, again, very fortunate that we own two generators. Mm -hmm. I specifically was like, we're buying a second one for the reptiles. So I have one just straight up for the reptiles. Uh, I forget, I forget what their sizes are to be honest but i bought one for just them and then i have another one that's just for my refrigerators <laughs> i'm not losing all my food again <laughs> yeah no that's something you learn once and you're like not again yeah it's because california has the psps the plan shut off plan power sh- i don't know anyway they mm-hmm. shut off your power uh, when it gets too hot and too windy to prevent wildfires which is good I understand it. I agree with it. It still sucks when it happens. Um, But when the power did go out and we didn't have the generators yet, I had just bags of ice. Um, And I would just put them on the tops of the enclosures and I would just Mm -hmm. like keep reapplying and keep reapplying. And that was how I kept their temperatures down. Um, And like if it wasn't an excess exoterra it was like a conversion kit i would get water bottles wrap them in a towel so you know the reptile didn't step on it and freeze to it like a tongue to a pole and i would wrap them up and put them in there to keep it cool mm-hmm. or just that's throw so smart that's so smart i think that's i think preparing for wildfires and like heat waves and then when ashley howdy of focus cube was on she talked about um the texas uh winter storm and like the ways that she ma- she and her husband managed to like keep their animals alive they went outside i am still just baffled because i just don't think my mind would work like this she went outside with a radiant heat panel plugged it into her truck and defrosted her pipes to get water by holding like a heat panel like it's it sucks that you have to learn these things in those situations, but to hear other people's stories and like how to prepare for them is so smart. It always, whenever I hear stories like that, it like fills me with like a weird pride because I'm like, fuck yeah, she went and took care of her animals. You know, instead of just being like, that sucks. Cause there was somebody who was like, oh, the power went out at my house and it's too hot. And he fucking up and left and all of his shit died. And he was just like, well, I couldn't stay there. It was too hot. That always makes me proud when people are, they're like going to the extreme to make sure stuff, you know, lives. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, like at the end of the day, we make the decisions to keep these animals in captivity. We make the decision to control their life. Like we should like do the best we can. Not fail that. Yeah. Let's not, let's not fail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if there's, if there's things that are out of our circumstance, obviously, but that's in your circumstance. Um, so you mentioned that you keep the, when you are keeping the crested geckos like cool, right? So you would put ice on top of an exoterra or a water bottle in a conversion kit. What do you, how do you generally keep your adults and, and your babies? Like what is your, like, like actual, temperature wise or like, um, no, like your housing, like housing. 
Oh, uh, babies are in six quart shoe tubs from whatever they hatch out at to like 10 to 12 grams, depending mm-hmm. on how they're eating and just behaving. Uh, and then they go into the juvie tubs from 10 to 12 to like 20. Mm-hmm. I think it's what. And is this for crested geckos and gargoyle geckos? Uh, yeah, but I think I moved the gargs out faster because they're fat little shits, dude. Mm-hmm. First one was named Potato because it was just round all the time. <laughs> um, well, they don't carry the uh, the weight in their tail in the same way that uh, a crested gecko does, so they look so much like more rotund. They, yeah, they're just they're round. I love them, but they're just round. Mm-hmm. Makes me yeah, think trash. Of that. My little trashy boy. Stop calling him that. That's his name. His name is his name Trash. Is- I have a, for people who don't know, I have a gargoyle gecko named Trash. He's from Chris Payne's job at Badlands Herpeticulture. He's just like the fucking best. I love you, Chris. I hope you're listening. Like, you're awesome. And he has the most adorable daughter in the world. Sorry, I know you have kids too, Emmy, but like, literally, I am obsessed That's with That's it. We fight for the title. <laughs> but I was making fun of him one day because I don't like the color orange. And I said, oh, that's a trash gecko because it's an orange gecko. And he said, well, that's your gecko. And I was like, what? And he like gave me a gecko, which was incredibly sweet and generous. And I love him, but the name trash stuck. It was so nice. He gave me this gecko, but it's trash. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like a really nice gecko. I love him, but his name's trash. And that's how I say it. I say trash. (laughs) And it upsets Emmy to no end. (laughs) Poor baby. At least he's named. Most of my animals aren't named. (laughs) Like I, when I started getting animals, I was on this track of naming all of them after like artists I liked. I don't like a lot of artists. It it appears. Like my second, my second name was Monet, and I was like, oh man, we really that that was it. (laughs) I. For my my white walled ones, I have all sugar names. So I have like artificially sweet, I have brown sugar, I have powdered sugar, and I have stevia. Nice. I like good stevia. I'm and a spoiled gal. I, I I did keto. Oh my god, it was so dumb. Don't do the fad diet. It was shit. I did keto for a long time and I had stevia, but ever since I like started doing that, I could never like go back to other sugars. I was like, this tastes awful. I don't like stevia. I don't know why. It just it tastes like. I don't know, like insecurity. Um. <laughs> What's that taste like? Insecurities. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so like your gargoyle geckos and your, let's get back on track. So after you get them in the six quart tubs, when they're like 10 to 12 grams, what do you move them up to? Uh, I think these are 24 or 26 quart uh, totes. And mm-hmm. I say that like 20, 24 grams. It depends on how they're progressing. Um, there have been times I've moved them into the 64s. Um, and then they're just like, you know what? I don't like it. And they lose a bunch of weight. And then they got to go back in there. Um, not permanently, just temporarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they all end up in either a 12, 12, 18, which is usually where my males end up at because for some mm-hmm. reason, um, when they start getting into like bigger ones, they're like, ah, and then they just lose a bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they typically stay in the 12, 12, 18s and they, mm-hmm. they don't, they're not like obese. They don't have like wrinkly neck freaking geckos going on over here. So if they did, they would be put to another one. And then my, my girls get 64 because, you know, girls just hold their weight more. 
Good, because they're making babies. Um, so with them, do you keep more sterile setups? Or are you working on bioactive? Is it a mix of both? What are you doing? Uh, the girls all have like the paper towels and lay bins. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have them all in bioactives. Everybody had bioactives. Uh, my girls hated my existence, I guess. And they would always lay them in the plants. So I would be like tearing up the bioactive to find the freaking eggs and be like in the plant. I, maybe it's a skill that I do not have. Um, but I couldn't do the bioactives with my girls. They just made mess. And now mm-hmm. my leafies have kind of a bioactive, I guess. There's no plants in there because they killed them. Mm-hmm. Surprise and she will dig to like lay her eggs and you hear rocks hitting like the glass and you're like is somebody throwing shit at my window (laughs) it's just her leg eggs again Mm -hmm. and are you actively pairing your lychees or is she laying um duds just duds yeah i need a male i got no peens no lychee peens i need them oh yeah is this your is this the rescue one that's laying or do you have another one no i had i bought two um late 2019 early 2020 you know before covid destroyed our life and we had like four layoffs and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so are you working with a specific okay so hmm, this is my ignorance showing with lychees specifically locale it's localities it's not there's no morphs in that there might be like seen i'm not the best with them like i haven't i haven't started breeding them so i haven't like just jumped full force into learning all the things because i take a while to learn things Um, Mm -hmm. i also have two brain cells just like my Mm geckos and i know that there's like higher colored ones or some stuff with the bars um like the the girl that was surrendered to us um was considered a high color something again i haven't looked far into it I need to, but typically mm-hmm. it's more like, I think more like the locale depicts the coloration. Okay. And do you call, wait, nice. when you, when you talk about lychees, do people say locale or locality? Both. They say both. Like depends on how you're using the word. Hmm. Okay. Um, cool. That's it. <laughs> so just what? hangs up. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Thanks. Great goodbye. show. Um, so with your, with your lychees, um, the one that is laying she's in like a full bioactive like having a grand old time yeah her and the other big one they'll probably both just stay in them because they've been in them for so long um and the third one i'll probably end up selling or giving to a friend something i don't have no idea yet uh but Mm -hmm. i don't need three girls dude i need some peens that's That's like hilarious that you're like oh my god i have three female geckos it's like that's what everyone wants (laughs) Well, no, because lychees don't pair the same. Um, they mm-hmm. could say, fuck this guy and kill him. Um, so yeah. I need to get a male that they can bond to. Although I guess having three would be good. It's like, maybe he doesn't like A, maybe he doesn't like B, he likes C. Um, but they're expensive and they take up room. Yeah, they take up a lot of room. Yeah. Yeah. Do your do your geckos make a lot of noise? Like, do you hear them at night? Um, I hear them be morons and go, thunk against the side of the enclosure um but i haven't really had anybody bark at me i haven't you know where's some wood to knock on uh, <laughs> i haven't been bitten by them my leeches are very tolerant um of us and so are my gargs and i've mm-hmm. heard, heard a lot of people be like i don't want to keep those species because they're mean i'm like i don't give a fuck 
yeah you've been lucky but also I think it like has a lot to do with care and like where you source the animals from I I think a lot like a majority of it has to do with care because I've I've gone to other people's houses and you know events like expos and stuff or even pet stores um oh my god this one time I went to a pet store and was like can I see that gecko and she grabbed it by the head and ripped it out of there with all his little legs going everywhere and then handed it to me mind you i was still new and my eyes were just like ah and it bit me and i was it, it didn't hurt but i was still like ah um mm-hmm. like oh my god it bit you they never do that i'm like it's because you grabbed the fucking dome what do you mean i would bite someone too that was oh also the lady who had four adults in a 10 gallon um horizontally that's what the, yeah horizon horizontally and was like it's fine they don't need room and i was Leechies? like uh crusties sorry okay okay that's better i mean it's not great it's better but <laughs> and the, yeah it was like it was like anyway that was a mess um but yeah a lot of people i feel like just kind of ripped them out of like mm-hmm. their clothing, you know and mm-hmm. i try not to try to like move their little like pick up like one foot at a time you know like come on you little fat potato you wrinkly shit like i want to look at you um and i think we're just nicer i'm kind of like i was raised (laughs) like animals first animals you know have feelings which is apparently not a common thing um you know they feel pain um Mm -hmm. it's crazy and so i'm always just trying to be like super gentle and i feel like that's like not it's not the norm yeah not how everybody treats them okay i hate to like jump topics but it is uh 12 52 a.m and i want to wrap this up a little bit sooner than than other podcasts sorry emmy um there's two last things i really wanted to talk to you about and get your thoughts on um the first one kind of goes back to something you talked about at the very beginning which was like when you learned about pangea and like getting away from jelly pods or other are getting away from using like crickets as as a feeder what does your diet look like for your geckos and do you mix it up are you providing like different types of food often how do you how do you do that and then do you Uh, supplement uh, at all um tiny brain hold on okay so (laughs) i have a tendency uh, to ask like a lot of questions at once and then be like answer (laughs) tell me now like (laughs) it's like when someone's all what's your favorite book you're all I don't know. Uh, the dictionary. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um so their diet I it I have a huge variety of. Um I also like feel like it's a lot better for them. There have been studies of specific diets being fed solely and having issues with either egg laying or MBD, something mm-hmm. along all those lines. Um so I feed Pangea, Rapashi rarely because i guess didn't really care for it bfg uh what's bfg big fat geckos okay and um something zoological i can't is it black oh my god i can't remember something zoological i forgot Mm -hmm. and um but i i feed all the brands that i possibly can like switch it up um i try to give breeder formula quite often because I feel like it's, it helps get them, you know, the bugs and like the best like nutrition to keep putting mm-hmm. that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and watermelon because I bought 10 pounds of it. And, uh, supplement wise, um, probably like once a week, 
once every other week because I think I've been forgetting. I put bee pollen in there, which, you know, mm. stimulates the appetite. And I put um, extra calcium in there probably like once a week now. Mm. Um, people really freaked out about that when I told them, like, oh my God, you can't do that. First of all, really freaking hard for them to OD on that, boy. You got to like violently shove it down their throat. Uh, <laughs> calcium sacks, if you are that freaking worried. Um, but again, there have been studies where it's like they're not getting as much as they need. So mm-hmm. have to make sure that they stay, you know, healthy, full of calcium, especially my girls who lay. I have liquid calcium for them if their mm-hmm. eggs come out bad. Um, and uh, for their bugs, I do super worms, mealworms, and dubias. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a huge stigma that if you feed mealworms or super worms, they're going to get impacted. But anyway, if you keep proper husbandry, uh, your temperatures are correct. You allow for that nightly drop in temperature for their digestive systems. You won't have a problem. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So then the question for you, I have two geckos right now and neither of them will eat bugs. I've offered, they just have no interest. What are your suggestions in those situations? Cause I feel like Shut that's up. fairly common. I don't know how different bugs could possibly taste. Um, if that doesn't work and they really are like, no, I mean, you could put the breeding formula in there or just do a, a meal of breeding formula because that has mm-hmm. insects in it or the, um, the red bag that has mm-hmm. a black soldier fly larva in it. Um, and then, um, color bomb. I can't remember who makes color bomb, mm-hmm. but that also has, um, insects in it or you could get cricket powder i've heard people are doing cricket powder i haven't personally tried it yet Mm -hmm. you could mix that in their food as well so it's like they're getting the bugs i wish they would just eat them but i do know that there are some that just suck yeah i mine just like i i have two geckos one of them i haven't offered bugs to i don't think they're gonna take it though it's like a very nervous foster gecko so like like it just, it seems like it would be like really afraid of bugs. Um, so I offer the red bag to my geckos. Um, but there is a show coming up on Sunday, a reptile show local to me. And there's a guy who sells cricket powder. He also sells human brownie mix with crickets in it, which I am going to buy for my dad because it seems like something he would enjoy. So maybe I'll just have like a little bug party with my geckos. <laughs> I've eaten so many bugs in my life. Like that doesn't bother me at all. So the last question I had for you, Emmy, because I am crashing very fast is you mentioned, we've talked about it, that you have kids, you got two young kids. Um, you have a, a son and a daughter. How do they interact with your animals? Uh, I don't usually like let them interact, interact um, because you know, accidents happen. My kids are very, very, like not to toot my parenting horn <laughs> my kids are really good with animals like mm-hmm. i have never caught my kids hurting my cats my dogs my cats sleep with my children and they're in there while they are playing my mm-hmm. kids ain't quiet they're mine they're loud as <laughs> um but they they handle everything really nice like they really understand like you know you know when you stub your toe it hurts when they stub theirs it hurts like they understand they have pain um so it they don't usually hold stuff because mm-hmm. I don't want them to drop it or it run away. Um, mm-hmm. But they do hold a bearded dragon sometimes because, you know, he's thick. Um, 
and they do they like the corn snake um this is this is the craziest part is my daughter my little girl loves to hold dubia roaches like <laughs> fucking sized dubia roaches my son fucking runs off mm-hmm. my daughter's like ah, look at it go mackie oh my god <laughs> I have pictures somewhere on one of my phones of them holding it or her holding it. And I'm like, no. One time a doobie got on me while I was feeding my bearded dragon and I dropped it. And then I dropped the other four. And then I screamed as if a man broke into my house to murder me when it was just bugs. Yeah. I don't understand. It's hilarious. Like, cause I am similar with, I'm okay with bugs. Um, I don't like unexpected bugs. Like one time I, well, I, this was back when I was fostering animals more regularly. I really don't do that as much anymore because of, you know, like quarantine and wanting to keep my personal collection safe and such. But I had a king snake and I went one morning to check on it and I opened its enclosure and there was a dubia roach in the king snake enclosure. Um, and I didn't have a dubia roach colony at that point. And I remember just being like, where the fuck did you come from? And like, like, like I've held millions of, not millions. I've held hundreds of dubia roaches. It doesn't bother me. Unexpected dubia roach 8 a.m. on a Thursday. Mm, not my thing. <laughs> I have, I haven't fed crickets well over a year. Like that is the only like super solid timeline I have. I haven't fed crickets. There is this one in my lychee's enclosure that you just hear making its little noise. I'm like, where are you? How have you? Li- How is she not eating you? How? <laughs> That's her roommate. I know why. <laughs> That's too funny. Um. Okay, so I am gonna like end this because sorry to everyone listening, I am very tired. Um. But before oh, wow. before we we head out, I'd love to get your. What advice do you have to a younger girl or woman who told you that they want to get involved in the hobby? What would you say to them? Tell the egotistical ones to fuck off or the ones who are like, girls shouldn't be into that. That's not girly. Then you don't do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You don't like it. You don't do it. I like it. Shut up. I can't. I can't stand that. I'm very abrasive. I'm just like, fuck off. You don't like reptiles. Don't come over. Yeah. 1000%. 1000%. That's like the best attitude my, to have. My my grandma-in-law, is that a term? Terrified of snakes. Terrified. is like, can I come over and see all of your stuff? Heck yeah, you can. You can get over it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, what, I love that. Do what makes you happy, not what makes others happy, or else your life will be very sad and empty. <laughs> it's like, what a great way to end it. How positive. Uh, um <laughs> Like the little shooting star going by with the more you know, and it's just like, like, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I really do appreciate your time tonight. Um, sorry, this is a shorter episode, but you know, with you being a mom and there's a time change and everything, we did have to accommodate your schedule, which I'm totally happy to do. So, um, if people want to get, I'm in sorry, touch, I was at the gym ripping my pants. <clears throat> oh yeah, I mean, I think that's a good enough story for it to be worth it. For for people who want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and good old TikTok. And what's your name on those things? Moon Lily Reptiles, all lowercase. Where did you get Moon Lily from, by the way? Uh, So with me and my husband, he's the sun and I'm the moon. 
and my grandma um, i don't think she's going to live for much longer um she loves lilies so that is where lily came from oh that's super cute well i mean i really appreciate your time tonight um it's always a pleasure getting to talk with you i hope this one can look actually be aired maybe like one day if i become famous and rich we'll like play the last episode your episode and then the episode i did with kiana like so fucking off the rails because we're friends and we like chit chat and like talk shit and stuff i also don't have a censor i know you don't that's why i edit so (laughs) so once again thank you so much for uh joining me tonight for everyone listening this is the modern medusa podcast you can follow us on instagram at modern medusa podcast you can follow me the host at defalco reptiles on facebook and instagram um and if you are identifying as female or non-binary, please join the Female Herpers and Reptile Keepers Facebook group. And then also, as always, if you're interested in my Patreon, I would love the support. Um, and then also, I am looking for sponsors to help me continue to develop the develop the podcast, you know, get some really awesome guests. And uh, selfishly, I am in need of some technology upgrades to make this whole process a lot easier for all parties. So if you're interested in that, please feel free to reach out. And once again, we'll talk at you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening. 